0: I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my my, mind I know tomorrow Cause that zone will come
3: We'll,
2: just well, good evening, and on behalf of NASCA, I'd like to welcome you to the Stop Child Abuse Now talk radio show. Tonight is Monday, December 19th, 2022. This is scan number 3076, and my name is Penelope Bettis. I am from Sarasota, Florida, and with me on my host team this evening is Kim Lakin from Colorado. We are both uh, members of NASCA and also adult survivors of child abuse, so we wish to welcome you to the show this evening. Tonight, uh, we have a special show. It is a special guest night. And our special guest, her name is Tracy Bell. She's from Independence, Iowa. And a little bit more about Tracy from the bio that she provided us with in a few moments. Um, Also on the panel, we have a NASCA family member from New York. And so we welcome her. Um, She's listening and may um, contribute as a panel member later on as the show goes underway. Before I introduce our special guest, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about NASCA. Uh, Because, as you know, NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And uh, NASCA has a very, very important mission. It's all about intervention, prevention, and recovery um, from child abuse. So if you'd like to be a member of the panel and uh, participate in the show tonight, you are welcome. There is no experience necessary. You do not need to be a member of NASCA. Um, And, by the way, to become a member of NASCA, all you have to um, express is an interest and um, desire, and you are a member. Um, But even if this is your first time calling, you are welcome to call in. The number to call in is area code 646-595-2118. Again, that number is area code 646-595-2118. And my co-host, Kim. We'll greet you on our back line and welcome you into the show. But we have a single purpose at NASCA, and it's to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. And this is our mission statement. We'd like to educate the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse. Presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone. And the second goal in our mission is to offer hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested. And in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, recovery. These scan shows, which stands for Stop Child Abuse Now, are a part of the services and offerings that we provide to our members and our members and our membership spans the globe. We have five shows a week, and I'd like to go over the show schedule this week just to let you know what is coming up. As I mentioned tonight as a special guest night, we have Tracy Bell from Independence Iowa. On Tuesday, we have an open mic forum where we discuss issues related to um Child Abuse, Trauma Prevention, Intervention, Recovery. We have a survival professional who comes on and helps facilitate a discussion. And her name on Tuesday, we have Sheree White. Um, She's a survivor and a bullying advocate um, who will be facilitating our discussion. On Wednesday, we have another special guest night. We have Arthur Cromwell from Tonka, Minnesota. Um, Our special guest is an activist in a family court Mental Abuse Reform Campaign Coordinator. On Thursday, we have another open mic forum, Survival Professional Night with Monica Boglin from Washington. She's a sexual, physical, emotional abuse, uh, lupus survivor. And on Friday, we have a special guest telling her story, Maureen Steele from Brooklyn, New York. She's a survivor and an author. So we have a very full week of shows. Um, So five nights a week, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, and all are welcome to participate. I'd like to tell you a little bit about our special guest tonight. She has not called in yet. We are hoping that she does, and I'll just give you a little bit of her background. So um, Tracy Bell is from Independence, Iowa. She explains that she was the unwanted child of an 18-year-old junkie who was gang raped. Um, and uh, her mother um, gave her away um, upon her birth to a couple who already had 17 children. A couple adopted her, and her adopted father um, had just recently been released from prison. Who um, He was incarcerated for raping, two and molesting other um, daughters, biological daughters in the family. Um, her adopted family moved from Iowa to California, and her father was very inappropriate with his hands, and at times... Um, Tracy would barricade herself in her room to try and keep herself stay- safe. It became so that the streets were safer than home for Tracy, so she left her adopted home at 15. Um, she found that the men on the streets all wanted the same thing as her adoptive father, but they were willing to pay. One day on the streets, a biker injected her with mess and held her captive, captive sometime. Eventually, she escaped. Um, but had become, through that experience, an addicted street kid. She couldn't work. She couldn't go to school. She slept under bridges and in bathrooms. She found food behind grocery stores. Sometimes she got a meal from men who needed company. At 18, she found herself pregnant. She lost her first baby, but was pregnant soon again. Uh, In the situation, she was forced to ask for help from the foster people, who had initially adopted her and who'd driven her to, um, initially to the streets. So she had come full circle um, um, in in the state that she was in. Six years later, uh, she followed uh, her adoptive family when they had actually taken her child from her, moved back to Iowa. Uh, she fought to get her child back. It took eight years. Um, um, of her collecting her legal records so that she could claim, reclaim her daughter. During this time, she struggled with drugs and alcohol, and for years she was on psychiatric drugs, um, uh, was addicted, um, used methamphetamine, and had multiple suicide attempts. Then one day she says she was just done and went um, the healing process and, and is now in recovery. Today, she runs Thunder's Rain, which is a state and federally permitted wildlife and animal rehab facility. She also works with youth from Four Oaks, which is for at-risk kids who do not or cannot be placed in foster care or who need help transitioning into life outside of foster systems. And quotes, Tracy, I understand what it's like to be cold, scared, alone, hungry, and unwanted. And that, has, that is her, from her bio that she provided us with. So we're hopeful that she will, um, she will call in. And we're, um, we've got a platform here at NASA on these shows for people to come on, such as Tracy, and tell their story. Um, it's part of the healing process, as we know, and it also helps inspire others um, who, are, who are listening, who may be um, somewhere along the, uh, the recovery spectrum. So um, while we are waiting for Tracy, um, I have um, my co-host Kim on the line, and we also have a caller, um, a NASCA family member from New York. Um, But I wanted just to see, and sometimes while we're waiting for a guest, we will just bring up a topic that's related to our mission um, and the work that we do and the services we provide at NASCA. And I didn't know um, Kim, um, and I'm going to unmute. the line of um, our NASA family member from New York. So if you'd like to just chime in, you can, or you can just remain in listen-only mode. Um, but is there any, any subjects or anything that anybody wishes to discuss tonight while we are waiting?
0: Uh, I'm in awe because I am a biker and I know that that lifestyle that she was going through and what that part of it was. So I already connected with her. Um, I'm like ex- I'm excited to hear what, I really do hope she does come on, because I'm excited to hear the process that she took to get where she is now, because usually mm-hmm. when you have all that other stuff happening to you, you spend the rest of your life either, you know, diving in or hanging out. You don't really be productive, you know, and succeed at things. Mm-hmm. So I I would love to hear what she says. I honestly do. You know, back yeah, when I, I
2: was... I would too. Yeah, I'm
0: I'm an older one, I mean, I'm sixty five and I, but what the younger people are experiencing, you know, it's 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 like on on top of each other, you know. It's sad that it just keeps going generation after generation after generation. Like this show brings so much uh to younger people, the youth, the upcoming people who are looking at like help heal themselves. You know, I know what it did for me. It started me on my journey, and I'm in a hell of a lot better place than I am uh, before I came on the show. I just wish I could be on here all the time, but medically I can't. But um, her, I I honestly want to hear what does someone her age is doing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing to be able to function yet alone work like with, with nature and with well, like kids and all this stuff. This, this this woman has a lot of energy, and I want to kind of tap into it because I'm getting old. You know, <laughs> I want to be around younger people now because I don't know things. So I am looking forward to listening in and hearing it.
2: Well, I yeah, I tend well, to just thank go you on. Well, no, thank you for you know for calling in, Lori, and. I do think it's really encouraging when we have, you know, we hear from younger people. Of course, it's not encouraging that we obviously um, have, you know, stories to hear um, that it's as prevalent um, as it is. But it is encouraging to know that that there are those who are undergoing and starting the recovery process younger and younger and younger because um, it's statistically the average age, um, if an adult is to go through recovery, um, it's around mid fifties. Um, and that is the average age. Um, and so the younger, uh, one can, the recovery and the healing, um, that is, that is, uh, hope that is better. Um, we are moving the, the, uh, you know, we're moving the needle, um, because as you know, and as what you said, Lori, you know, the, the sooner we can do the work and get through the healing, you know, do the healing process and, and stay on the healing and recovery path, um, you know, we can transform our lives. So the sooner we can begin that, the better. Um, so it is encouraging. It is encouraging when we see someone younger, younger and younger. We're seeing the, the needle be moved, um, which is what we want um, to see. So I, I, you know, I'm encouraged by that, um, even though, of course...
0: I I come across, you know, because I see things that, you know, I want to go have done faster. And and I've seen a lot of years, thank God, in the schools now, they're letting um, kids openly talk about what's going on in their homes and stuff. Years back, they didn't have that at all. So there's a lot of services that are out there now getting these these kids younger so they don't develop into um, the people that they really weren't intended it to be. I don't think anybody is really intended to be, uh, you know, bad. I think it just happens to them. So, yeah, I mean, I'm into reaching out um, for the younger kids. We used to go, when I was at my club, into uh, the schools and talk to the kids about, you know, all the the signs of what's coming, what's happening, what to do, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's a subject that should automatically be taught in, like, maybe a health class or something, just take a few weeks out and educate kids on what to do when, like, it's stranger danger. Or if, uh, say, your dad, like in my case, is a pedophile and you're trapped in in a world like that, there should be a place that these kids now can go and not feel so isolated. They didn't deal with it when I was, you know, in in a school. So that's where I'm at. You know, I want to to see the young really get... um, more services, and I want the older ones who are doing all this marvelous work to you know use these skills that they've learned to help those who fall through the cracks, and there's a lot that fall through the cracks.
2: Yes, there is, and well, I, think, I think I think it's also important to educate, like you said um, healthy boundaries, especially at home because some of you know these kids, and I was no exception. Um, what happened in my home, I thought was normal, and I didn't realize that it wasn't until I was much, much older. So even, you know, establishing what those healthy boundaries are, um, even within the home, um, I think is really, really important, and more kids can then start to, you know, ascertain if they're living in a in, in an environment where there are healthy boundaries or if there are not. But I think even defining what that is is important. And I think they're starting to it in schools, but I think they could be a little bit more uh, thorough. I know Kim does a lot of work um, with youth through darkness to light. Um, and I think that's absolutely and fantastic.
3: And the adults. Because that's what yeah. um, we do believe that it, it's the adults' responsibility, and we have been putting it on the children for so long where I know that we've talked in other shows about um how you don't even realize a lot of the time what is going on. There's no way for you to articulate it because you don't know what's happening, but yet you're being told to tell if something's happening. So you're like, it, it just throws you off. So I, that's why I, I started to say, um, I don't know. So, yes call-in lady. <laughs> I didn't, did you want to be um, called by your name, or did you want to stay anonymous? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: Lori. I'm Lori from New York. Okay, That's what Lori tells them, I'm Lori. I
3: didn't, know. <laughs> I didn't know because Penelope didn't call you by your name, so I was just like, does she want to stay anonymous or not? Oh, but, yeah. Um... I wasn't sure in the
0: beginning because I couldn't remember um from this morning till now i have um, a brain injury and it has a lot to do with my memory but Mm -hmm. i was on the panel for you know a long time before i really you know had something major happen and now i came Mm -hmm. back because you know nascar really is a family no matter how far i try to push it back and, and forget all those years when you know, I was at that stage, you know, you think that you're going to see brighter days, but you really end up being um, just an old person of the work that you're doing to get where you are. You never really forget. So Nazca feels like my family. And I tell you, I was so shocked when I first came on and heard you two because I was expecting to hear Bill and Carol. I had no clue what was going on. You know, because I was doing my thing, which is the same thing you know with child abuse, helping someone in child abuse. I have a handicapped son, that's why I know more of the things that go on in the schools i'm I'm like I'm dealt with problem and at risk kids, you know, I went through the system with him and saw my my life of filled with oh unspeakable things that were happening. So Sorry. I don't know. For some reason, I'm back here. So I'm Lori oh, yeah. from New York. <laughs> <laughs> we're glad
3: you're on, Lori from New York. <laughs> we're glad you're here. Um, I'm. I'm glad that um, Bill decided to let others take on a little bit of of the shows, just because I know how hard him and Carol were working, you know, all the time. And so. Um, I'm, oh yeah, they they
0: they got well. They were kind of. And I know who they could hear this, but don't tell them, but they're really kind of like getting on up there where, you know, they need to chill out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I have no filter. I'm from now. the biker community, <laughs> and this is me. <laughs> oh, that's <funny. laughs> yeah, me.
3: yeah, Bill will like you for that. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh,
0: I have no filter. I, I'm so sorry, but I have no filter. Okay. <laughs>
3: So I was going to tell you, Tracy, so what I do is I teach an adult child sexual abuse prevention class that um, it's a two-hour class, and it teaches adults how to recognize and respond and react appropriately if somebody tells them their secret. So, you know, my goal is to, one of my goals, I guess, (laughs) is to educate adults, like I said, because it is our responsibility And we've been laying it on the kids for so long that that needs to stop. So that's one of my missions is to get out into my community, which I've been able to do the last six years that I've been doing that. I've gotten into a lot of the the places, you know, that my kids would, my grandkids now would in our area. And um, so that's the main, that's my main goal. And that's what I um, really advocate for is we need to be educating the adults more. Then, on the other side, kids do need to know. They do need to know body safety and things like that. So there's another organization that I'm a facilitator for that I can go in and teach kids within their, the school settings about more about body safety, and you know, we don't go over stranger danger because strangers are like a 10 percent like 10 percent of the amount of the people that a child would be hurt from. It's more like 90% it's going to be somebody that they know, either a family member or a family friend or something like that. So we try to educate kids more in that realm of, you know what, this could be happening within your family. We understand that. And so, you know, these are the things that you need to do to keep yourself safe. And if you don't feel safe that you need, then, um, you know, go to find somebody who's safe that you can do that with. So, yeah, <laughs> we just got a message that says, yeah, I'm listening from Bill. <laughs> no, it's very important that, right? what
0: you're doing. Very <laughs> no,
3: important he's, with <laughs> no he's, he's listening about you saying that he's old. <laughs> <laughs> how, how would you phrase that? I,
0: not, not old, because old to me is like, <laughs> but Yeah, long. Right. Come on, that's a lot of years already. (laughs) They need a vacation. I I love both of them, but if they need a vacation, they really busted their butts doing... (laughs) My God. Now it sounds terrible what I said.
3: (laughs) No, not at all. He knows you're kidding. Oh, (laughs) God. Sorry, Bill. (laughs) I guess... No, He's laughing. I'm sure he's laughing. <laughs> um, so I guess one of my questions, Lori, is, is well, I wanted to, to tell you about that, and I'd be happy to send you some more information about that, you know, privately. Um, and I can look you up and see if you're friend, if you're friends on Facebook with Bill and Carol, then I can probably find you. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so you talk, little bit about when you were introducing yourself about your struggles and um, so I would be interested is it to know from your standpoint and and hearing Tracy's story or her bio is that you said that was similar to what you went through all the way down
0: to being in the room because that would be the only place to be safe Except for me, I couldn't be in the room because when I was in the room, my father came in my room. So if I wanted to feel safe, I would go into the woods next door and I carved myself out um, a little place just to sit, you know, where nobody could find me I was little. And it was dumb luck. I mean, I was just born into a family, a really crazy family, and my father was a pedophile who was obsessed with me. Um, so, you know, I started, that's where I started relating to her. And then, when you know, as you get older, the things that she was doing would be the same things that my sister was doing. So I had that, and then, you know... It's like you wish that there's a point where you can really honestly not have to do and what deal or think about anything to do with what happened to you when you were younger. But it turns out you can't shut it off unless you until you get dementia and then you don't even know anything. You know, you go before but um it never shuts off. So, some people like, I mean, Carol herself, um, this is her life, uh, a big part of her life, and she'll never be able uh, to retire. I don't see her not doing something to do with child abuse. And, um, like I said, I came on here, and I opened up for the first time on here. Uh, I don't know how Bill found me. I think it was from a group I joined. Um, and asked me to do my first interview, and you know, it was a horror. My, the abuse was my father, and my mother was psychotic and used to uh, beat, up, beat me, especially. My brother was crazy. He threw me out of a second-story window when I was four, broke my back, and my mother scraped me off the ground. It was the first time. I saw her standing up. Usually she was sleeping all day. and she dropped me on the kitchen floor, and then she began to beat me with her fists because she was so... She didn't like me, you know, from the very beginning. And then, you know, you have to learn later it was because my father. And that's why my father paid too much attention. But she didn't do anything good with any of her kids. So I ended up being the um, caretaker... Of all this bunch of loonies, um, and in school there wasn't anybody at that time, and I was too embarrassed, so I don't even know if I would have said anything. I wish there was somebody for me. It's like that's what I, I told the interviewer who um, was asking if I knew the the guardians of the children. That's who I was with existed when I was younger. Would I have gravitated to them? And I was like, absolutely yes. I said, that's where, you know, you find the kids. Sometimes they're not in in the school. We're on the streets, you know, and and bikers, you know. You can be riding around at night in any kind of group, you know, there's a reason that they're not at home. So that's where we used to concentrate on. But at that age, I didn't have that kind of opportunity. I was more of the uh, keeper of the crazies. I I had a brother who... uh, he he was truly a psychopath. He used to kill animals. He lit the house on fire. He lit the woods on fire. I've seen him stab people. Um, police were always involved, but the school, nor the neighbors, nor the police ever called CPS in to help us. They left three kids totally wild, totally wild. And teachers actually had to come to the house at one point, two to my brother, he had surgery. So everybody knew, but nobody was talking back then. So I slipped through the cracks. I uh, went through hell, went through hell with school. I was one who wouldn't even talk. I couldn't even talk. I wasn't like anybody. I knew nobody went through really what I did. Um, and I wanted to keep it still a secret because it was very embarrassing not to have that normal family. And everybody else is doing so well. And I got one guy on drugs, the other one is like, you know, they were all, they were all crazy, like every single one. And then they had to take care of my grandmother. And nobody was going to take care of her but me, so I had to do that as well. And then run a store for them. And they used and abused me to where I was exhausted. And by the time I was 17, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and it was unheard of back then. So over the years, um, as soon as I could get out, I got out. I didn't choose the right path to go on. The marriage was wrong. But I stayed in it because I have a handicapped son, and I can't afford to keep him only on disability. I need, we need. we It's like we're divorced, but we all live in the same house. Um, financially, plus to watch my son, he's bipolar, plus a whole bunch of other things. I lead by example with him. He watches me and I help him through his life. That's my basic, what I chose to do with my life. I I revolve around him. Whereas my sister who was not abused anything the way I was is a total druggie and my question is for her, I mean, I asked her, her daughter became a therapist, so she says. And I, always, I was like, why didn't you ever ask your mother to get into drug therapy? I mean, isn't that the step that you should take? I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but logically, I think that's what she should have done. So this dysfunction all over my family. I had like... A relative shoot the other, one relative and then kill themselves. I mean, it's been a whack bunch of people I've been around. But I survived somewhat. My body hasn't. I mean, my mind is fractured. and But I try to do good. That's what I chose to do in this world. I don't go to the negative too often. You know, I'm here to just take care and help of, of who I feel needs help. And, that's still what I do. I'm now sixty-five, wow. five years five years younger than the doctors told me I'd live. Oh. But still, I'm here. Yeah.
3: Uh, oh, that's good. I'm still here. Do you penises? have finances? Uh, oh,
0: do I have penises? Is that what I you mean? Your spine. You're gonna have to spell. I yeah. lost part of my hearing. Um. Uh, your, like your back. Do you have back issues and spine oh,
3: issues? Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> I wear a full neck brace, a full back brace, two full leg braces. I have two feet braces. I wear two arm braces. Um, my spine is in like a, a C kind of swishy mode the way it is now. Because I landed on a brick. Yeah, two year old. I mean, four year old landed on a brick, took a lot of the body, so my body grew into into like a mess. I got a lot of autoimmune diseases, and I've had a lot of surgeries. I uh, my feet need surgeries. My knees, the fourteen years needed to be replaced, and they won't. make. I have two torn rotator cuffs from the fall. The back of my head was smashed, which helped with the memory problems that I'm having. I should have died in that four. I really wish I would have, because it was, there's so many problems that I have. But here I'm still, I'm still here at 65.
2: I'm tired. I'm tired.
0: Isn't 65 the retirement age? I mean, like, if (laughs) if it were a regular job, wouldn't 65 be the retirement age? You know? No. not a mother's job, though. that that, That night that I called in, I got all like, oh, there's new people coming in, and there's new services, and things are really progressing. And I was like, you know, let me call in again and again and again. But I get sick in between. So that's why I go on and on Sometimes I just nod off (laughs) After I've said something But I I, I talk what I I think You know, from the brain injury From falling well that way There really is no filter to tell me Like, think before you speak Because it just comes out (laughs) It just really does come out I'm not one to keep things in so now now I live. You know, I function. I raised a a kid forty years old. He's bipolar. Um he's got other issues. I mean he's severely handicapped. I was told that to put him away at six years old. Um, he's got uh severe paranoia. He's got the diagnosis of homicidal ideations. Um, I do expect him one day to put me out of my misery because there's only so much pain he's willing to see me go through and he's seen too much. So I told him to ask me first so he doesn't end up in jail. And I says I'll manage to exit before that and then we'll both be fine. So no. I, I, <laughs> that, I mean, that people your plan to path? go to Hawaii. Yeah, I, I lost to And we had a foster girl here, too. Um, But I don't have any grandkids, thankfully, because I'm just, like, too tired. I I adopt my neighbors' kids and whatnot. You know, I go on shopping sprees and buy them things. But I don't have to change diapers or feed them or listen to some screaming. You know, so I'm satisfied. You know, I did what I could for what I had when I came on this earth. My sister did not, and my brother did even worse. His kids ended up in jail, both of them. So mm-hmm. that house I came from was totally dysfunctional, and as many times and in, in, in many ways that I was abused, I should I should have been like what my sister turned out to be. You know, she
3: she can't go on so way. Excuse why me. Do you think you what do you think made the difference?
0: Why you were? I think, honestly, what I think, uh, I think you're born to be a person. Um, some people know early who they are. They don't fit in with other kids. They're more mature in things. They they have more like wisdom. They just don't know what it is. They know where to be. Who's hurting? Who's how to help you? And that's how I was born. My sister was literally um, locked in a room for her first year of life. She was fed from the crib. She had bed sores. I only found her uh, by accident. Of my aunt was babysitting, and I let her out of her crib. Um, she was already standing, but she turned into and she was a wonderful child when she was there. She was so. So, just happy, and, and she was sociable. I mean, she's total opposite of me, and everything was so exciting that day I let her out. I remember all of us were standing in the hallway. Even crazy Andrew was standing there in the hallway, um, you know, once he finally got out of the door. And the last time I saw her, she thanked me for saving her life. But we don't talk. I don't want anything to do with her style of living. Um, she put the self first. Nobody else counts. They, they're they not nice people. You know, they, they chose to be that way. I've offered options for her. Even when she was younger, I tried to get her into a psychiatrist. I got her there. Um, I just kind of knew what people needed. So that's what I did. Uh, my brother, he needed to be put away, because uh, he not only threw me out the window, he uh, he choked me. He tried to kill me. My front of my throat has a crush injury. Uh, he really attacked me, and the only thing that saved me were um, I, pa- I was passing out as I was being choked, and I fell down and the fireplace edge split my leg and it woke me up and I just shot right up the stairs and I called my neighbor. So she came over with her husband's gun and he was so close to the door I was behind which had more guns in it, it had my father's guns in it, that she had to come in and pin him down. I mean, it was like Copville. It was a really messed up place I, I was in. So since all that happened, I have choking problems. And I've actually been to heaven three times. And it took my third time. I took four years to recover from it because I didn't know my name. I didn't know what the phone was. I didn't know what a car was. I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm looking at all the embroidery pieces, and I'm thinking, this this woman really does nice work. And I didn't know it was me. So there was a lot of brain damage from that. And over the years, you know, everything stemmed from child abuse, all of it. You know, Mm -hmm. everything that I'm going through stemmed from child abuse and nobody helping. So that's why I help. I'd rather help the needy than be part of the people that are, you know, partying out there, having a good time. I don't take vacations. I make creamy blankets. I make pillows for kids. Anything for kids, I do. I listen to adults. A lot of people know me from my club. They know me also from NASCAR. I've had people, a couple of friends come on here um, that came to me. I mean, they stopped me when, they, when I was patched. I was having people stop me in the stores, and they would be telling me their stories of abuse, and I would listen. And Some people, they need to do that. you know. A lot of people need to unload, and that's where, where I put myself. My sister was still using her drugs abusing her kid, but I was doing that and taking care of my crazy son in a lot of pain. Yeah, you know, um, it wasn't an easy life I had. I'm never coming back here, and um, I have a lot to talk about when I get up there. You know, things need to change for the kids today, for the adults who are going to be teaching the kids. You know, it goes from generation to generation. I have a lot to say up there. <laughs> Since I've already been there, you know, I'll have no problem introducing myself. I'm going right to the top. You know, I hurt like hell. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna live very much longer. Um, there's too many things wrong with me, and from child abuse, they all stem from child abuse. So, you know, I'm in the middle of a move to a better place. New York is not a good place to live. On Long Island, this Pennsylvania has mountains, so I want to be in as the mountains and get my kid relocated. He says, I live for that, for him. I don't want him to be locked away behind a door because he can do the things that he he can do. Um, I kept him to myself since he was 15. I took him out of their system, and I became his staff. So what I literally did was I traded my life uh you know, to bring him up, I chose to do that. There are so many abandoned kids in psych wards, so many in the mental health system. And parents, they don't come up. You know, they don't visit them. These kids, they sit there, they cry. They, you know, I've seen it all. And, and it's a very hard life to live. I wanted my, my son to be home, you know. I'm, he has family, so that's why. I am where I am. It's for him. Otherwise, I would be divorced and doing something else. So while I'm home, I embroider. So he thinks that my life has a reason for me to be home. But I'm home to watch him. You know, it's and it's it's hard. You know, it's it's hard bringing a kid like that who's going to be forty years old, and for the first time. I mean, we were best friends for the first time. Um, he attacked me last month. He attacked me last month. So I'm trying to recover from that. You know, like, what was my life? My life's work? What was it, you know, when the kid turns on you? didn't make any sense. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I am who I am. That's all I can do is just be who I am. My sister is still doing her thing, though. So I know I will never talk to her again, and the brother's dead, and his kids are still in jail. And I don't talk to any of my nieces or my nephews because I don't want my son around those people. He didn't know my parents. I took him away when he was a toddler, and my husband's parents the same. I wouldn't let him be around them. I, I got him in contact with his one cousin who he was very close to, where I'm removing him to is closer to where she lives, as well as the soulmate. So I'm trying to set him up for when I, when I finally do pass, which isn't going to really be that long. So mm-hmm. my life is crazy now. I don't know if I turned out good or bad. I honestly don't. I know from your eyes. I mean, you're the younger generation. What do people my age? How do they turn out?
3: Yeah, um, I, I don't know. go ahead, Penelope.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I I think one of the, you know you you raised an interesting point because I just decided that part of recovery and part of healing is not even trying to put a label on myself um, or thinking too far into the future. Um, I found that that just sort of set me up for failure day by day. I I honestly take it day by day. And um some days are um easier than others. You know, some days um I'm not struggling and some days I am struggling with with triggers and um and you know trying to remain um in the healing process. And uh some days I'm more scattered, some days I'm more my brain is more integrated. You know, some days are just easier. Some days um, are are harder. And so I just try not to label how I'm doing overall, you know, in terms of, um, you know, if I could just say, how would I turn out? Um, I just try and I, I just know that recovery is, um, it evolves um, and it's ongoing. And that, you know, it's a one day to the next type of a thing. And if I I used to try and, and go for being totally healed. Um, and, and I realized that that was just, um, I was setting myself up for disappointment. You know, I was setting myself up for, for failure because what really is the definition of being totally healed if you're an adult survivor of child abuse? Um, so um, I decided that, you know, if I, if I tried to go for totally healed, and normal that I would just never get there because I didn't even know what that, you know, really, that's a perfect, that's an idyllic state. Um, And so that was, I I thought that was kind of self-abuse for myself. So I just take it one day at a time. And I just know that um, before I started, you know, the recovery process, um, I know how my life was then. And so I could just say that being on this side of healing, you know, whether it's a difficult day or not, Um, It's just, I'm in a more peaceful place, um, even on the harder days. So I just take it one day at a time, and I try not to give myself a total overall label, if that makes sense. And I think from what I've heard from, from, you know, your testimony, Lori, um, that that sounds about right. I think you're there where I am. So that's how I think you're doing. Yeah, I mean,
0: pretty much, right? We live different lives. I'm, I'm, obviously, I don't get to go out too much, but, you know, I'm still functioning. And then yeah. it's like, I guess that's all you could ask for. You know, you, you kind of, as you get older, there's things you can't do just because of the age.
2: Right.
0: Um, I don't have a lot of friends, but the ones that I do have, I keep close. And um, I'm just not, I'm not like other people, unless I'm around bikers. With bikers, I feel fine. But as far as my neighborhood and whatnot, it's like it depends on the person, what they're into. Some I, I'm older, and I, so so they and look to me for like.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Speaking of I friends, I see we have a new nasty family member. I see that Tracy, our special guest, has joined us. Oh, so I'm awesome! Gonna, um, yeah, I'm gonna unmute her line. And Tracy, this is um, Penelope and uh, your co-host Kim Lakin, and um, we are welcoming you to the to the show. Um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I apologize for my time. <laughs> okay, you're on. You're on now. We've got you know 40 minutes left, and uh, we also have another NASA family member on uh on uh on the panel who called in to support you her name is lori from she's from new york but um so we're happy to have you on and tracy um i did read your bio earlier but you know i'd like you if you you know wouldn't mind um just to to give us a brief synopsis of your story um from your childhood and and you know paint the picture for us and, and this is your 40 minutes so you know, you're you're in control, share what you wish. But um we'd like to hear your story. We wish okay. to thank you for coming on. All right.
1: thank you for having me. Um, I it you know, started out. I, I, I'm you know, I'm a I'm a um my biological mother was uh um very young. Um, I'm the product of uh, uh, of rape. I was adopted by a convicted pedophile who had just gotten out of prison. Um, and as most of us know, they don't change. Um, I grew up uh with him and, and unfortunately he was um about the only thing that showed love growing up. So, um the mother in the picture was a very cold hearted uh woman who I was her trophy basically. Um but uh i grew up that way i left home very early i was on the streets for about 3 years and i did what i could to survive i was taken by a biker at 15 um and uh he had me for a couple weeks until i got away from him and and uh i've just spent the rest of my life trying to take take my take myself back
2: So in your bio, you know, you mentioned, and thank you for, for sharing what you've just shared with us, you know, you mentioned um, that you were adopted into a family, um, that you were given up by your, you know, 18-year-old mother and you were adopted by a family. Um, can you um, just help just help me understand the timeline a little bit and, and how you, you know, got from point A to point B and what your life was like? Uh,
1: the family I was adopted into was the father that had just gotten out of prison. Um he had uh 15 children. Um and then the mother had uh, two and then together they they adopted me. So total um there was 18 of us kids growing up, but I was much younger than the rest of the kids.
2: What was their interest in adopting you as well? Can you and you do do you know why they had wanted to expand their already large brood um just you know for for my mother, it was
1: the pat on the back oh you've you've adopted this poor, poor misfit child, um, and for the father, it was just he wanted
2: another little girl, mm. So did you always have a sense, though, that you wanted a different type of a life? I mean, I know that you, you know, ran away and and you had made some pretty bold decisions early on. Um, Did you have, you know, a, a vision or a goal of what you wanted your life to be?
1: For a long time, it was just survival. You know, it was many years. It was just getting from, you know, one day to the next and, you know, spent a lot of years just basically numb not caring what happened um and then when I uh when I was pregnant with my child it was like my life changed you know all of a sudden it was like a light went on and and I wanted I wanted different things and it was never really for myself it was for for um for her many years it was just for her um and then i I struggled with drugs and alcohol for many years um, you know, and fell back into it later on and and then, about uh ten years ago i things started changing. I hit rock bottom uh hard um, but uh about six years ago, seven years ago, things really started changing for the better
2: so can you describe the the process and where you said I'm done and things are going to change and what that looked like and and how that process started and what it what it entailed? Um. So
1: it started with, um. You know, at one point I think it was 2000, maybe 12. I found the biological mother, who was still, after all these years, addicted and and. Um, into drugs, and I let her suck me back in because I very, very much still needed a mother. I never knew the love of a mother, and that has affected me more than probably anything um but it was after realizing what she was that i was i just i guess i've been very i've always been stronger than I realized um so after after discovering that she was addicted into drugs and she wasn't going to change um i literally just kicked her out of my life but i spiraled down and i attempted suicide and would have succeeded if somebody hadn't come home early that night and i'll admit i was very very angry for a long time that things didn't didn't um That I didn't succeed, and it was because I thought I was just going to ruin their lives. But uh, eventually, you know, gradually things just started looking different for me, and I started realizing that animals were medicine for me. They were just so healing. They They were not judgmental. They weren't going to hurt you. When they left, it was a whole different reason why they would leave. And I started my uh, my rescue, my wildlife rehabilitation, and it has just blossomed. And it's making me I still struggle daily with self worth. And um, some days I look and see where I am today, and I and I realize that you know I'm not a waste of space. That there's there
0: that I have purpose. I have value.
2: That is incredible. Did you go because you had mentioned that there, you know, there was some, you know, drug addiction involved in some of those things that you had been exposed to? Did you go through any programs, any twelve-step programs, or, or did you seek any other types of support or help along the way? No, I guess
1: there's something about my personality that I do find kind of amazing in a way. Not that I. I'm one to pat myself on the back, but I seem to get to a point when I'm done, I'm done. And one day I just woke up and said, I don't want this anymore. Um, I've never been very good at being controlled by anything, and that was what it was for me. I realized that I was being controlled by these things, and I was just done. And one day I just, one day I just stopped smoking cigarettes. One day I just decided... I don't want to drink anymore. One day I just decided I just don't want this for myself anymore. And I just stopped. I just quit. It just was like I was done. There was no tapering off. There was no, you know, stepping down. It was just, okay, I'm done. And that's the way it was when I walked away from my family. I just said, no, I don't want to be no part of this anymore.
2: Wow. So you were just determined. You were just done. That was it. Yep. Incredible. And I've
1: been nine years sober, completely.
2: Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, um, Tracy, I'm going to go down the panel, and this is Kim Lakin, my co-host. And, Kim, do you um, have a question or a comment for Tracy? Hi. Um, hi, Tracy. <laughs> Thank
3: hi. Thank you for being on this evening, and and I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that. I know that we're, you know, we're in this platform where this is basically why we're all here, because we've all been through something, but it still makes me sad, you know, whenever you hear another story, and and that you had to struggle so much as a child, and um, so thank you for all that you're doing now, and, and how you have overcome, I think um, that's not easy to say. You know, I think a lot of people that are on this call, we've to some degree made that choice that we're not going to live the same way that we were raised. Right. um, Yeah, and so yeah, thank you. Thank you for all you're doing and for having us. You know, and for your heart, just for animals, because that shows your heart for people as well. That's mm-hmm. It's been we incredibly
1: healing, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that.
3: Yeah. No, I guess I don't really have a question. I just wanted to say thanks for what you're doing and for being here, and um, and you are, you know, you you are, and shining, you know, a bright light. How? What am I trying to say? <laughs> I don't know. I lost it. But um, you you are a bright light to so many I know that are struggling and so just being here and telling your stories. Oh, well, thank so you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Well, thank you, Kim. Thank you. Kim is such an awesome partner. I love doing the shows with Kim. Um, and I also wanted to invite Lori um on. She called in to support you on the panel and Lori, you're on live with Tracy if you have a question or a comment for her.
0: I'm glad that you came on. Um uh, yes. hanging out waiting for you. Uh I read your story. I think you are amazing. Uh I related to a lot of what you went through but not the amount of people that were in, you know, your house. So uh, the stages that you were going through, I I went through, like, similar stages with that. The one thing that I have never come across is another person like myself who does not like their mother. You were the, the first person. For some reason, people say even when their mothers do the worst things to them that they really like them or they love them and, I'm not one of those people No So um, I understand What that feels like You know And it's done good right You know There comes a time when You have to be you And you have to Shed the toxic people Even if They are your mother Yeah
1: I didn't
0: I didn't like mine either You know We don't need the ones We don't like But I'm I'm glad I met another person who feels the same way that I can do that. It's all right to say I don't like my mother, you know. Because yes. She's still alive and I still don't like her.
2: Yeah.
0: it's not going yep. to change. And the other thing was I like your your attitude with you done. I, I live like that. You know, I've had enough. That's all I can take. You know, it's just too much. I don't want to live like that and I'm done with you. And that's and where you,
1: it was when I was 15, I just got up and left. I was I was done.
0: That's that's what it has to be. You have to be done with it to do it and uh, you took on the world. You know, at such a young age, you know, you went through a hard time. My god, yes you did. Um, but you managed to push yourself through to um what I call the success side. You know, being abused And what you're doing, you know, with the animals The kids and all of that yes. After what you've been through um, It's pretty amazing I think it's pretty amazing And I'm glad, I'm very glad That you're doing it And I'm, I know you're going to do more So, you know, you're way on your way to to knowing You know, knowing what you need Knowing where to get help And knowing what to do for yourself so you're not everything those people told you that you were. I'm no. Glad, I'm glad you found that out because
3: they can I have
1: struggle with that. I still have the mother in the back of my head telling me I'm stupid and I have bad blood and and it, yeah, it, yeah, it'll always
0: be there. Yeah. See, what I do, um, I I'm so good at it I haven't thought about her in years, but. I've learned that at the end of where I'm done, it's like rebuilding your life, so mm-hmm. I rebuilt it with the things that I like to do, just as you did, and the more years that you're doing the positive things, you're pushing back the memories and one day that. that too, yeah, one day you're gonna say, You know, you know, I'm better than I was, I could feel it, you're gonna be it, and you're gonna be doing like even more things. So mm-hmm. we're, you're, you're at this stage now, uh, you know where you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be. And I'm my, glad. I, yes, I'm glad I stayed on to listen to you.
1: Mm, thank you.
2: Okay, oh, Lori. Thank you, Lori. So, Tracy, can you um, add a question and then um, a comment? So, my question is: So, how is your relationship with your daughter today?
1: You know, I, I think, you know, I, I, I struggle, you know, they, especially with my oldest one, because that's the one that I had taken from me and then brought her from one state to the next, and it took me so long to get her back, and then after I got her back, legally, they had done so much damage to her mentally, brainwashed, and just convinced her of, That they were so great And I was the bad guy And we still struggle with that We just don't talk about the parents Um, There's certain things we just don't discuss um, Because she's still um, Blinded And they just They brainwashed her They told her so many lies And she was so little at the time That you know I don't blame her I don't blame her
2: Yeah
1: And with my other daughters It's hard to relate it's hard it was always hard to be a parent when I really never really knew how what it was like to have one
2: right we have to raise ourselves don't we
0: oh
1: I definitely did Yeah. there's no doubt
2: yeah I'll take full credit yeah. for that yeah we raise ourselves and we have to figure out how to do that and then and then we can you know right you know, and go back and, and try and, you know, change the course with our own children. Um, but we do have to raise ourselves. Um, yeah. And we have to figure that out. I definitely understand that. And thank and you yep. for answering my question. So I also no- noted in your um, bio that in addition to um, working with animals, which I just think is so awesome, the work that you're doing, um, and the healing that you found through uh, your work, um, I was curious about. Let's see here. Um, beyond the Wild Hunter's Rain, but um, also the Four Oaks. Can you tell us a little bit about the Four Oaks work? So what's it you do? My
1: my Wild Thunder's Rain, um, it's 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 worked with the Four Oaks kids. So. They come out to Wild Thunder, the animal shelter, and they um, usually it's it's a group of, of of girls, and these kids have nothing. You know, they've come from broken families, and they and they come out, and I watch them walk through the door, and they're guarded, and they're you know they've got their tough tough guy exterior on them, and then within a few minutes, you see them just. Opening up, you see them sitting on the floor playing with kittens or or checking out the snakes or we'll bring out the skunks and, you know, every once in a while I'll be working with something else or they will happen to be an eagle sitting in the intake room and, and these kids are just in awe, um, which in itself blows me away because, again, I struggle with self-importance. So to, to watch them just, you know, blossom, almost, and just sit there and get to be kids, and and the simplest things, you know, and the other day, they, they Friday, they brought me, they baked me cookies, and it just reduced me to tears to think that I was worthy enough for these kids who have gone through so much to take time to, you know, they had three people to choose from, and I was one of those people, and that, that was oh, huge for me, it's still... <laughs> Yeah.
2: But are there you know things? And I know this is, this is going to sound a little bit strange, but there there are things for me that I feel you know have made me the person that I am through my experience that was horrific. Um, but there are things about that that have come from that um, within me. That I feel that I can serve the world um, in a more profound way, and as you mentioned, oh, for example, yeah, I, the empathy, right? The empathy um, for those who are have hurt, been hurt. Um, oh, absolutely! And,
1: That's how I relate to and, these kids. You know, they're scared. Yeah. they're They're mm-hmm. alone. They're They feel judged. Um,
2: yeah. Um. And I think that when you are um, an abused kid, you have to develop a sense of intuition, a very heightened sense of intuition um, to survive. Um, Absolutely. And I think that also you sense when someone is authentic and genuine. And I think that um, as an adult survivor and someone giving back, that is sense. Um, and you're able to have a greater impact on those that you're serving. And you, it sounds like you may have a, be having similar experiences. Um, in the work that you're doing with these kids?
0: I'd like to
1: think so, you know. um, Yeah. Yeah, I I do, you know, but often I so much want to give people the benefit of the doubt that I do misjudge. Um, But with the kids, it's just different, you know. They don't, they don't, they didn't, they didn't have, they didn't make those choices, you know. They Mm didn't, I seldom, you know, I grew up being told that I was bad, and I was, you know, with everything. But these—they're not. These kids are not. Ninety. It's like, it's like a dog that comes in, and it's a bite case. And within days, you realize that the dog wasn't the problem. It was the dog's parents. Just like these kids, most of the time, it—the it, kid isn't the problem. It's the environment, it's where they came from it's, it's how they've been treated or talked to
0: Yeah
2: Right Now with these kids, do you get to see them on more than one occasion? Is this something that's, um, um, you know, you can see them on multiple occasions Or is this, um, I mean, do they work with, do you work with them for a specific period of time Or are these kids that are just your kind of, um, they're kind of funneling in and funneling out how many kids do you work with like in a in a month say
1: If staffing is good, a lot of times it's it's the staffing they don't have enough staff up on the wards, so they get to come down um to wild thunder when there's enough staff to provide you know um, mm-hmm. on on ward and then the kids that have earned the um privilege to come off ward. Um, and when that happens, they're at wild thunder almost every week. Um, but you know, they go home and they, and they age out and then, um, so yeah, I guess funneling would be a good way to look at it because Mm
3: -hmm.
1: it's, 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 they're always, it's always changing. You know, you seldom see the same kid for more than a few weeks at a time before they've either aged out or, or, Mm. um, they're on a home visit or they're they've you know they they're
2: they've moved on somewhere else uh, but that can be difficult especially if there's one that you really connect with
1: it is you know some of them try to stay in touch you know we i, I never want to interfere um and unfortunately it's a policy once these kids age out that the people at the uh um facility that they're at aren't allowed to um reach out, which I think is ridiculous. We work with the four Oaks kids, but there's also a unity point in in Chicago that we work with. And now her program is different. The kids are from 18 to 24. Um, So she's Mm -hmm. there to provide them that extra gap coverage per se. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Mm
1: -hmm. um, So, but yeah, I don't know personally those kids, but the, the, the female that runs that facility is like a hero of mine because she's given up everything to
2: help these kids. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful, though, that she's there, and they're able to continue on in those. You know, from from that in mm-hmm. that age, you know the, that that's uh, there's a there's sort of an evolution that they can you know evolve into that the older kids and then have that experience. I'm going to just go down the panel one more time because uh, we've got about 15 minutes left, and so I think there's enough time. Um, and Kim, I just wanted to invite you back on with uh, Tracy.
3: Thanks, Penelope. Hi, Tracy. I um I was just kind of curious about wait like, what was like. I'm sorry. I think I've got some some things going on here too, but I don't remember things. They just go out of my mind. I think about it and then they're just gone. And age could be a factor in it too, but um, I I guess I'm just I'm fascinated with that. So okay, that's that was my question. So you did you just facilitate like the um, you know the animal shelter was already there, and then you facilitated bringing the kids in is that is that how i'm understanding that it works you i started the animal shelter from scratch i literally oh,
1: began um wild thunder um working with uh you know injured and injured animals sometimes orphans um and uh about twenty five about twenty five twenty six years ago and i have grown um wild thunder uh I don't want to say I because I have an amazing group of volunteers that come in and help with the um cats and so we had the building donated and we've we've actually um had little by little grants here grants there um to the point where we you know we have a full facility. Um, we have animals come in, and our eagles. I can test my eagles for lead, and we draw blood. And I've got a hundred foot flight cage out back. We've had the eagle scouts donate a, a raccoon cage, um, and uh, I think the kids part of it evolved. Um, you know, very young, I had an aunt that would uh, crochet afghans. And so very young, I would—I was always being left somewhere, you know, under a tree, in the car. And I think I had post-traumatic stress at a very, very young age. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I just the weight of an Afghan was always super comforting to me. It wasn't hot. It didn't matter. And so a few years ago, I actually started what I called the Wild Thunder Rains Afghan Project, and we just had a bunch of ladies donating their time to to, uh, to crochet Afghans, and we were giving them out to special needs kids, kids that would need a similar to a weighted blanket but different. Um, and we would custom make these blankets for these kids. And at one point we took 30 of them up to the shelter in Chicago. Um, But we custom made them for kids with sensory disorders to where the actual weighted blankets just wasn't a fit for them. Either it was too heavy or the textures were different. And and that's kind of where the kids came in. Um, And, again, I knew what it was like to – my own child um, was at the Four Oaks facility um, because she was so – fragmented and broken for the longest time, that fitting her back into the home just didn't work, you know, because uh, she was so brainwashed that she just, I was the enemy. Um, And that's kind of where the the kid thing started. Okay.
3: Yeah, because I guess I'm wondering if that isn't something that could be duplicated in another state. Like I'm in Colorado and um, I know that the work that I do, we've talked about before that, kind of the the other side of the coin of, if you if somebody sees an animal come in, who is being abused, there's a good chance if there's kids in that family that those kids are being abused as well. Absolutely. And so we were trying with, to yes, yeah, yes, navigate it, it, that. It, it does.
1: it it, it coincides you know we work with law enforcement we take in domestic animals from abuse situations and neglect situations and it's not just kids one of the cases where we pulled 18 dogs out of this house um there was an elderly lady that would have died if the dog hadn't busted the dogs hadn't busted out the front door um and they went in there and this woman she was in a chair and it was she had her chair and she had her microwave and her tray and and that was the only clean surface in the house. There was animal feces everywhere. The, the caretaker literally admitted to just putting a tarp on the floor at night to sleep because there wasn't a clean surface in the house. Yeah. But these dogs busting out the front door, and he was charged with uh, um, neglect on, of, of his, you know, charge, his his person he was supposed to be taken care of.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, would you be open if I, if at some point um, I, for instance, I was talking to a shelter and I said, "Yeah, I just met this new lady who this new lady in my eyes, who so, um, <laughs> who does you know, does this shelter and and allows kids to come in." I guess the kid aspect is what I am thinking more of. Is you know, right, right. How how we could maybe help other kids that are in um, foster care or group homes or whatever have Animals that Animals are just healing well. to kids. It, it just is. Yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah. So I may be thinking about that and contacting you a little. Maybe Yeah. first of the year a little bit. <laughs> okay. After we get past the end of the year. But, yeah, I think that would be fascinating to, to see it just to get something like that going in one of our shelters. Yeah. yeah. And maybe there is something like that going on that I don't know about. There could be. So I'm going to do a little bit of research. Yeah. So thank you for everything that you do.
1: No, thank you. <laughs> and happy holidays, Mary wherever. <laughs> I appreciate that. You too. You stay safe. Thank you, Kim.
2: Thank you. And uh, so, Lori, I just want to invite you back on if you had any other questions or comments for Tracy. have um, a few more minutes. Um I wanna give you an opportunity to to have one more um, um discussion with uh with Tracy, if you're still on.
0: Oh, I'm still on. Um Tracy, I think you're really awesome. You know, what you're doing. What you've managed to do in spite of everything that happened to you, that you're going on you know, with the kids, with the animals, I mean, that's a really important part. A lot of people, you know, write books and uh, they they express themselves in different areas. But um, I'm liking what you're doing, and I like how it's grown and that you're so committed to it. You know, just, this is a success story to me. Um, I know you've got bad days. Um, I wish I could say they were going to disappear, but they're not. But you're doing such good work that one time at one point in your life you're going to see a balance. You know, you're going to see a, a brighter day. You know, tomorrow's going to be a brighter day, and things are going to get bigger, and you'll be in a different frame of mind. So I think um, you're definitely on the right track, and I admire what you're doing. You keep yeah, doing
2: thank it. Thank you. Thank you, Lori.
1: Thank you so much.
2: So, Tracy, you know, we've got just a couple more minutes, and I wanted to just give you, you know, a few more minutes to, you know, share anything else you wanted to share, um, even if it's just a little bit more about um, the work that you're doing with um, Wild Hunters Rain um, or anything else. This is uh, a couple minutes. Um, Well,
1: you know, the the Wild Thunder's Rain part of it is uh, just – you know, that's us reaching out and it's a, I run a page, it's a while, our a childhood sexual survivor. Um, and it's just, it's just a place for people to go and if they can relate and um, I'm an artist as well as a, I write, you know, I do some poetry and, and uh, it's just kind of a, a way to um, dump out, you know, the toxins that are, inside, you know, uh, whether it's on canvas or I'm writing, or I'm sorry, um, but uh, sorry, my dog just busted in the door, um, but uh, it's just, it's just a way of taking back, you know, just like worth um, working with work the animals or, you know, a few years ago, I decided I was going to go get my motorcycle um, permit. And I now ride a motorcycle. And even though it's in my lo- my blood, because my mother was raped by a gang of motorcyclists, you know, the biker that took me at 15, he took a lot from me. Um, so rather than cringing every time I hear a motorcycle, um, hold on, there, go right down. Um, it, it 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 is now, um, I took that back. Um so now when I'm on my bike or I I hear motorcycles it's not terror anymore of hearing from you know the man who took me and the man who who locked me up and put me in a trunk and and um hit, you know kept me in his garage it's 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 different now now when I get on the bike I don't he he's no longer there I took that part of me back um and that's kind of what it's about it's just taking me back
2: Wow, you know, you are just amazing. Um, how you just have a vision and make a decision, and that's it. Um, you have definitely been, you know, the your own advocate in terms of your healing, and you know, taking the pen and really writing your story, you know, and being in control. Um, and really truly being the author and, and, and putting the pen to paper and changing the narrative. Um, and you're just amazing, especially once you decide to do something, you just, you are done and you move, you move in a different direction. And it's just very, very incredible. I am just really inspired by you. And I'm just so glad that you were able to make it on tonight um, and join us and tell us your story. And I know that there are so many other people who are either listening right now um, via the stream. Um, or going to listen to this uh, archives. Is, these shows are all recorded in archives, um, and you can find them up on the national website. Um, and we have so many uh, people all over the world, Tracy, that that go into the archives and listen to these shows, and they actually are used as tools to help them in their healing process, um, wherever they are, um, whether it's at its inception or somewhere along the way. So your you know your willingness to come on and share your experience and also your healing and your work is going to really just help so many people. Um, and I just really want to thank you for that. It's really, truly inspired me tonight. And I can already think of one thing that I have to just be totally done with. So I'm just going to be done. I'm going to just pull a Tracy and just be done. That's going to be it. Um, you're inspired, <laughs> That's incredible. you know, absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, you're incredible. So thank that is you.
1: amazing. I, uh, that is That it just It just blows me away To think that I could make The difference like
2: that Well I mean you can You can That's why you help So many people When you tell your own You share your own story And your own healing You know You you really I mean it's so It's so powerful It really is so powerful It may have just been Normal to what you did But when it lays Upon someone else's ears I mean mine for example I mean that's the power That it has So um, truly, I want to thank you.
1: No, thank you. I I'm I'm absolutely honored that um, somebody felt like my story was worth listening to, and it like I said, it, you know, is if, if by talking about it, if it can help, you know, help anybody or just one ten-year-old kid sitting in a corner realize that it's not her fault that's 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 it right there. That's everything right there yep,
2: exactly. That is it, and you are you are definitely making that impact. I think it is such a always when when we have anybody come on the show um and you are included um when we come and we have the courage, I think it takes courage to share you know our experience um, It's a sacrifice to talk about the pain that we've experienced in our lives and to share that. To put it out there, but it is—it's a gift too you that you give um, because you are—you are reaching people in—in um, in a very powerful way, um, and especially with this show and this platform. Um, and NASA—NASA has been around for a long time, and it has a very, very wide reach now uh, within this world. And um, we are all over the globe, and um, this is—this is just um, a huge piece of, of that that you've—you've you've given your testimony tonight. Um, it enables NAFTA its work and working with its mission. So I do really want to thank you um, from the bottom of my heart. And I hope that we uh, see you again in the future. You are now a member of the NAFTA family, as you know. Um, and so we welcome you. And then this is scan number 3076. So this will be archived in about a half an hour, and you can listen to... The show on our website, which is www.nasca.org. So I wish to thank you, Tracy Bell from Independence, Iowa, and I want to thank my uh, our other Anaska uh, family member, Lori from New York, for coming on uh, tonight and supporting you and uh, by being on our panel. I want to thank Kim Lakin, uh, my co-host from Colorado, and I am Penelope Bennett from Sarasota, Florida, and I just wish to thank everyone um, who's listened and um, sign off, as I always do, with um, my statement, which is that there are enough adult ears and eyes on this planet to keep every single one of our children safe. So if you see something, if you hear something, please say something, do something, it's our more... So thank you. And on behalf of NASCAR, I wish to thank you and good night. Thank
0: good night you. you.
3: Log Talk Radio. P-plus.